Hello, Ashton. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm well, thanks. So, are we just on? Are we just on audio? Just on audio. Um, I only need the audio. Can you see me or no? No, I cannot see you. So I can make weird faces then. You are welcome to make all the faces that you want, and you don't even have to wear pants if you don't want to. Uh, well, I was, you know, I haven't put them on yet, so that's a good. It's <laughs> good to hear. <laughs> right. Good morning. Thank you for um for doing this with me. I'm super super stoked. Sorry, I was a little bit late. I literally uh, finished my show. No, no problem at all. Okay, cool. So I'm already recording. Kind of just want to jump in with you. I don't like to do interview interviews. I like to have a conversation. Super chilled. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I'm there. <laughs> okay. So Ian Bredenkamp from Ian Bredenkamp Media is someone that I love and respect very much in this industry. And he sent me a mail the other day and he offered me an interview with you, Ashton Knight. And I've got to tell you, I've been following you for a while, but reading through and doing some research, I had no idea, dude, that you have recorded 250 plus tracks in your career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I I struggle to believe it too, but um apparently there's some kind of there's literally recorded evidence of of this truth. So Okay, but everyone struggles, everyone has writer's block at some points in their life. This obviously never happens to you. You're um, you're just this like songwriting genius, right? Well, songwriting addict genius is uh <laughs> that's your call, but uh, thank you. Yes, it's um I think I'd be, I refer to myself as a self-professed songwriting addict. You know, I used to go to meetings and they would say, you know, hi, Ashton, what's your affliction? And I'd tell them about it and, uh, you know, they'd, they'd start weeping in the corner and I'd start <laughs> weeping. And, you know, it's, 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 how it's how it's been. So I, I figure I'd, I'd, fewer meetings and more albums and I seem to be, you know, forging forth. <laughs> I'm here for this. Okay. But in this, this 250, obviously it's at least double, right? Because there have got to be ones that you've shelved, that you haven't finished, that you're still thinking about, that you've worked on and haven't really gotten to or no? Oh yeah. I think um, literally for each album I put out, I have at least another album's worth, maybe two albums worth that uh, ends up in the proverbial shoebox or collection of shoeboxes under the stairs. So... Yeah, I guess this sucks. If you're someone listening with writer's block, you're probably going to call me all sorts of names, but that's just, you know, I, I, it's a double-edged sword because I also don't sleep much or function well in society because of this problem. So, yeah, there is there, there are always leftovers, absolutely. Ashton, I want to go back a little bit, well, a lot, but I want to talk about growing up in South Africa. I want to talk about how you found yourself in the music industry um, did you have a supportive family? How did this happen? Yeah, I had a very supportive family. You know, I, well, let's see, I was born in Port Elizabeth and ultimately ended up in Johannesburg for better or worse. And I think I've lived in, lived in or visited pretty much everywhere in, in the country. And um, family were not musical, but big music lovers. So I inherited my passion or you could say obsession with music from especially from my dad at a very early age and um i think seeing the what would have been a replay of the elvis 68 comeback special kind of opened the door for me and i was you know i was sold and i knew that too <laughs> that's that's where i wanted to go and um 
what else would you like to know? It's a big question growing up in South Africa. Yeah, I was there for a long time. I did all sorts of wild and wonderful things while I was there. When did you abandon us? I've never abandoned you. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I have been living in the United States since the end of 2007. So um, wow. yeah, it's been a while. I don't think I've picked up an American accent yet, so that's good. You haven't. And that is something that I, I wouldn't have said unless you'd brought it up. But I, I'm always really stoked when I speak to South Africans all over the world and they don't sound like weather it is now. <laughs> like when Madonna lived in England for five minutes and had a British accent, for example. Yes, yeah, so or Britney, Spear Britney Spears dated an English boy for like half an hour. And then she's yeah. English all of a sudden. Yeah, same thing. Yes. So I'm, always, <laughs> I'm always stoked to hear our accents around the world. Well, I'm glad I could help. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about David Bowie because I have, I'm probably, I'm obsessed. Um, I, my mom bought me Labyrinth when I was three and he mm. resides on my leg. So I have every, I have, like David Bowie is, is everything for me. And you've been compared to David Bowie because you play most of your instruments. And there was an article released a little bit earlier on today. Um, and it also likens you to David Bowie. I want to know, are you a fan? Do you, do you love him as much as I do? I would I would go as far as to say I love him more than you do, you yeah, know, right. because I have a labyrinth tattoo on each leg, you know. No, you don't. <laughs> no, I don't. But but I should. I should. I um yes, if if Elvis opened the door for me then then David Bowie showed me exactly everywhere I wanted to go, you know. He is an eternal inspiration and um has influenced me stylistically as well as just the approach of you know genre hopping and trying on new styles and haircuts and shades of eyeshadow and whatever else and um on this album i finally got around to actually singing a david bowie song and you know actually recording it and, and putting it out there although that was largely inspired by the fact that i lost my dad quite unexpectedly in february this year and um Heroes was one of the two songs we played at his funeral. So, I, you know, I came back and and set about trying to record a, a an ode to that song and um, and the artist and my dad. And initially, I was just going to give it to the fans because I did a a you know pre order crowdfunding type thing, and um, they seemed to be very enamored with my take on it. So I thought, well, let's take the plunge and put it out there for good, you know, on the record. And that's not that you asked how heroes ended up on the record, but I just kind of went with it and, you know, that's where we ended up. I was going to ask that anyway. So you kind of already knew. I knew because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's those labyrinth tattoos. I'm telling you, it's a gateway to the, to everything really. Connected forever. Um, mm -hmm. You didn't only release an album, the album Waiting for a Voice. Um, you, you also did a book. I want to talk a little bit more about the book. What is the book about? Well, when I started writing the album, Waiting for a Voice, it was mostly written and recorded as soon as I returned or in a, a, a relatively brief period uh, after returning from a, a pretty intensive 36-date European tour with Wayne Hussey of The Mission. And uh, it was literally 36 shows in 36 different cities all over Europe. Yeah. So I lost a lot of weight and uh, didn't sleep much. And um, essentially, it gave me the confidence to to move forward in a, a more stripped down uh, context. You could say, you know, I that tour was largely well, it was entirely acoustic, and I'm singing songs that 
I'd obviously recorded in full band versions and electric versions and whatever else. And being able to sing so in in, in that sort of primal stripped down sense uh, or style or whatever you want to call it, and and the connection you have both with the songs and the audience and your journey and everything else, it just seemed like when I got back, I, I very much wanted to capture that on an album. And people have been asking me to do that for years, you know, just strip it down, man, take away all that other stuff, you know, and uh, finally, you know, it's only taken 20 something years and I finally put out an album that's really focused on the words, what they're saying and how they're said. And I think when I put the words down on paper, many of them looked kind of good on a page. And I thought, well, maybe they can exist independently of the music as well, as I was essentially found myself writing poetry and then setting it to someone said, haunting acoustic minimalism, which I like that, so I keep using it. Um, yes, spooky tunes. And um, yeah, so so once those poems became songs and still had the desire to be poems, I, I relented to my wife's incessant request that I write a book and it started off with, with the poems and added poems that have also been living in shoeboxes along with unreleased songs. And then I wrote a few short stories and some thoughts about uh, life, love and the universe. And of course, art and loss and living in the, the great COVID times of 2020 and all the rest of it. And before I knew it, there was, I was starting to have too many pages for what I'd originally intended. So you sense a theme here, right? Um, and <laughs> So yes, so I thought I'd like it to exist independently of of the album, even though they very much are interwoven and best enjoyed together, I think. But uh, that's how that happened. Are you ever afraid of how something that you put out into the world is going to be received? Do you ever get nervous? Well, yeah, I think there's, you know, you don't, you don't exist in a vacuum. You might find yourself creating in a vacuum from time to time. Yeah. You can't help but, you know, wonder about what people are going to think. It's a, I think it's a natural tendency, but I try not to let it um, color what it is that I want to do any more than my own preconceived ideas, you know, because I think in the past I've often set about to do something that maybe it's, you know, well, whatever the, the theme is or whatever I'm trying to do. And then you get that, that sense that whether it's a marketing sensibility or pop sensibility or whatever it is where you feel, Oh, I need to squeeze in, you know, the pop song or the, the big anthemic chorus or whatever it is. And ultimately there are times when that just dilutes the message and it definitely would have diluted this particular album, which I wanted to keep really intimate and, um, I wanted the fragility of what I was speaking about to to remain intact and the authenticity as well, just to feel, I wanted to feel like I'm sitting in the room with you, but not in a creepy way. Um, you know, just we're, we're the way a poets, the poets of old would, would read to a small group of people or the poets of the beat generation would, would speak to their people. I kind of wanted that sense of immediacy in you and you need to strip things down when you do that. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the lockdown, losing your dad, 2020. It's been a very 
big year for everyone, but it seems like you've come out of it and you've learned and you've grown from it. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you dealt with everything and how you deal with things in general? Are you an emotional person or are you pretty good with dealing? Um, hmm. Well, thank you. Um, I, I am an emotional person. I think, I think to be an artist, you, you kind of need to be, you know, you need to, as the expression goes, you know, open that vein and all of that. Um, I've tried to, I think with, with my, with my dad passing when he did, and, you know, we, it was unexpected. We were in the process of, of bringing my parents to live with us permanently here in the States. It had been an ongoing thing, two and a half years long. And, literally four days before his visa was approved, he passed away after a heart surgery. So it was awful timing. And, you know, you can get lost in your own head as to why things happen when they do and all of that. But at the time I needed to spring to action and my wife and I flew to South Africa and we brought my mom back with us. And first we had to pack up and sell up, you know, cars and furniture and all the rest of it to, to get her here. And of course COVID was starting to happen. So then we were, additionally concerned that we wouldn't make it out in time that there'd be problems with flying and oh, i was worried about literally flying with my dad's ashes i mean it was just <laughs> yeah. it was difficult um and i think there's a an, you know like like with so many people there's a kind of an autopilot that kicks in when you're dealing with with big things like that and it was just you broke it up you know it's okay now i've got to sing at the funeral and say a few words and now i've got to sell some cars and pack up many lifetimes worth of memories because my dad didn't throw anything away. <laughs> um, he was a spectacular hoarder. I mean, there would be awards for hoarding that he would be, you know, hoarding. Um, and I think there was probably, a, or there has been a, a delayed, the grief has been delayed, I think is probably quite obvious because I got back here and then it was getting mom settled and um, all the rest of it and dealing with COVID and the lockdown and an album that I'd already finished that I was in the process of preparing to tour and all the rest. And there was the book that I just started. So of course I took a lot of that energy and experience and emotion and, and, and put that into the book because the songs, as I said, were already recorded, added heroes and thought I was good to go. And, um, as yeah, as I mentioned, I think the the grief is is delayed, and it's yeah. <laughs> I think I've gotten slightly lost in what I was trying to tell you there, but um, no, you're good. I think I think it's 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 really good for everyone, but also me to hear this. Uh, we lost my grandparents, both of them, with the, within three, mo- three weeks apart of each other um, in the same month. And it was the same thing, also packing up and working through and selling cars and moving everything and dogs and whatever. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you are at the end of it. It's three months gone. The ashes have arrived. And now you're suddenly alone and there's no more people. You have yeah. an amazing book to write, right? And you can get it out doing that. I think you're luckier in a really horrible situation that you are able to express it because I think a lot of the rest of us continue to just shove it under. Right. You know, you're right. Um, Part of it was, as I was saying, was kind of delaying the inevitable. And um, 
I got to the very end of the book and I, I'd written some short stories that had kind of lightened the mood a bit because I realized how morose I can be. And um, that was not my intention. I was trying to be a sparkly entertaining entertainer. And anyway, at the end of the book, I wrote a poem, just a sort of stream of consciousness called My Father's Hands, literally because I couldn't get the idea of my father's hands out of my mind, just how they looked and the things they'd done and for me and for others and whatever. And I started that and it just ended up being this cathartic flow um, of, you know, emotion and many, many tears. And there was a certainly a, a sense of, as I said, some, it had a cathartic value or element to it. And I've since had people who've, who've read this, read that particular poem, you know, the book and the poem and, but that specifically just comment on relating to that with, with their loss. And, um, similarly lyrical content on the album or book is going to resonate with people because I am writing so incredibly honestly. And it, it, it's taken me my entire career to get to this point, to be, to be yet again, brutally honest, where I've honestly been brave enough to just share things like, like the depression I suffer with and like the other obstacles that, that uh, so many of us deal with on a hourly or daily basis. And hopefully it all comes through as a message of hope, um, much like including heroes on the album. I think it's the song of hope ultimately. And yes, it's, it's, uh, I think there's enough negativity and ugliness in the world. I'm certainly trying to bring some, some beauty and some hope from, from the place I'm at. Oh, it's so necessary. People are, we're all like curating everything we do on social media within our lives and our friends groups. And I'm so glad that that's your message. And you know what, this, I, I was obviously listening to the album in, in my car earlier and it's definitely, it definitely makes you feel it 100% makes you feel and it is poetry and I'm really stoked about this album and thank you for being honest and authentic. We need more oh. people like you. We definitely need more artists like you. Oh, thank you, Danny. I, I do appreciate that. It's, um, yeah, I think, um, there's nothing I can really add to that other than thanking you. It's, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it's taken a while to get here for me and, and hopefully, you know, it means, it means things to people. It can mean something to people who listen or, or read it. You know. Ashton, with it still being the pandemic with lockdowns changing, going up and down across the world, what does this mean for you? And what does this mean for the tour? Like, are you going to do live streams? What are you doing? Yeah. I, <laughs> my cats, my cats have had more live performances, you know, directed straight at them than they can probably ever recover from. And, um, they now are just when they when I walk into the living room with my guitar, they 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 hide. You know they've had enough. They're in the corner with headphones on, listening to the Neil Diamond collection because I can't possibly deal with another song by Dad. Um, <laughs> yes, I did. I did attempt to to live, uh, as in twice. I've done a, a live stream on Facebook and. While it is fun to reach so many people from the comfort of your home, it sure ain't the real thing. And it's very difficult for me to stay focused when I'm essentially singing to my iMac, you know, it's, um, 
I mean, it's a good looking iMac, but it's still just an iMac. And I very much miss and or miss is an understatement. I crave that, that experience, the, the celebration, the ritual of it all of, of live performance and everything, the journey and even waiting in the back room and all the rest of it, meeting people afterwards. It's just, to me, it's all part of why we do this. You know, it's the human interaction element. And I, yeah, I had a tour that was semi-booked when this all went down and obviously it went onto the shelf. And all I can really say is that honestly, as soon as it's safe to do so, I'll be back on the road. Unfortunately, America has not done a great job to say the least with handling the pandemic. So um, I'm not overly uh, confident in, on, or overly courageous to go leaping on airplanes in the United States just yet. Um, and additionally, uh, South Africans were unable to actually support this album because the, the postal service between America and South Africa has been suspended for the last four months or five months or whatever it is. So um, on that score, I'm delighted that the album is, as of this this week or later this week, it's going to be available through Just Music's website and Mr. Vinyl and a bunch of others. And that's taken a small miracle to get that to happen in terms of you know, working with uh, courier services and all the rest of it. Um, so yeah, the apart from wearing the mask and diving into the bushes every time someone comes past and all the rest of it that we deal with, there is you might be connected on a virtual or in a, in a virtual or digital sense, but anything beyond that is, has been very, very difficult for us as well. Mm. Ashton, do you have moments like everyone else where you're baking banana bread and then just freaking out or are you, <laughs> you sound really calm. And this is why I keep asking you these questions is because you sound really together and calm. Like you are not baking banana bread. Like you're just writing and like gardening and like really chilled. But you're also human. So I want to know, like, are you freaking out a little bit sometimes? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't made banana bread in a while. It's actually a very good idea. I'm, <laughs> I do a great gluten-free pasta because I have gluten intolerant and I don't eat meat and all the rest of it. So it's gluten-free and made out of imitation this and imitation that. But anyway, it's, it's, it's good. It keeps me alive. Um, yeah, I get upset like everybody else does. I mean, it's um, you know, life is challenging enough without without everything the pandemic's done to us. And uh, I'm very fortunate that I, I live in an area where we've been able to go for walks and you know experience the great outdoors right through all of this. And I'm not a supremely social person, so I don't really, you know, feel like I'm missing, you know, going to the local bar or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I obviously we all miss our friends and we miss loved ones just spending time with people who don't live in your house, you know. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, I'm not sure I have any great words of wisdom. I just um tend to try and put things into my work, you know, and that's 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 been a a great balancing point for me. And, you know, I have a family who loves me and I have cats who tolerate me and I have <laughs> the garden outside. So life's not too bad, you know? 
Um, I love this. I, I love how real you are. This has been really <laughs> fun for me. Okay, so the album is on its way soon. Um, is the book coming with the album? Yeah. <laughs> I love the way you, ex- you explain that. I, I imagine it like literally like these little albums sitting on a train, making their way across, you know, with the little books and photos of my cats and all the rest of it. Um, I'd love the photos of the cats. Actually, that's the only reason I want the book. I mean, yes, there's at least, yeah, there's a photo or two of the cats in the book, of course. Jarvis and Vivian and Eva. Um, here for this. <laughs> the book... I'm still working on exactly how that's going to happen. Um, there's just books are prohibitively heavy when it comes to sending them all over the world, you know, so you can send those five special books to those five special people. <laughs> um, so I opted for getting the the vinyl and the CDs there with a view to printing up the books in South Africa. I think that would probably make more sense, but it's honestly just been so many moving parts because we're, you know, we're launching this all over the world simultaneously and it's just really me and the odd person that helps here and there. So, which I'm very grateful for, but it's, uh, maybe that's why I don't lose my mind because I'm so busy being the record company and the producer and the, the packaging administrative person and the T-boy and, the, you know, everything else that, and thank you for editing that out. I choked on my tea earlier on while we were chatting and you, <laughs> you pressed a button and nobody will ever know. No one will ever uh, know. No one on the out of my Audrey Hepburn mark. I'm not lying. It's I'm a big Audrey Hepburn fan, and this is one of my favorite breakfast and breakfast at Tiffany's mugs. So wow. I'm very dark. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen that. I I think that's a little bit too on the lighter side of life for me. Oh no, it's beautiful. You need to watch it. I, I think they were. They also looked like they were. No, I won't say that. Yeah, you, you, it's it's a lovely movie. <laughs> It's a lovely I, movie. I pinky yeah. promise to watch the movie while I wait for your books to arrive happily. Mm, yes, do that. And and um, there are people who, you know, made this little interview happen that could get you copies of. If are you a fan of vinyl? Do you do you listen to records or do you just I love, a st- love 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 vinyl? Okay, good because we can we can make make sure you have one of those because they're so pretty. They they they're translucent and they have all sorts of other magical qualities, which you know is best or best experienced in the true tactile sense of, of the word. So love this, and they sound better as well. Anyway, they do. Yeah, they do, and they also they have healing powers, and you can find that where once you couldn't fully comprehend crossword puzzles once you've listened to a vinyl you can tackle crossword puzzles you can you know you've got a better way of feeding your cats i mean it's just there's endless endless possibilities banana bread tastes better everything is mm-hmm. better. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> After <laughs> this has been fun um but i know you gotta go because you you have cats to to serve and it's um, <laughs> a bake um thank you so much for this and i i highly recommend that everyone goes and at least listens to the album wherever they listen to it because i think it is necessary and i think it is something that you're gonna leave and you're gonna feel something and i think it's important now thank you thank you yeah and thank you for a lovely chats and um keep fighting the good fight over in where where are you based exactly? I was going to say over in Johannesburg, right? If I tell you, you'll laugh at me. So I'm just going to not tell you. Okay. Well, <laughs> wherever you are, <laughs> know that I'm watching. Um, and uh, oh. like big, 
like big brother. Um, yes. Thank you so much. It's been lovely chatting and thank you for playing the song too. That's uh, most appreciated.